on this episode of The Jason Wright Show. And has been for many people, myself included. It, it gives you, it forces you for the first time, especially if you're diagnosed younger, to really look at your health in a different way. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned a couple of names, Dr. Peter Atia, Dr. David Sinclair, uh, Andrew Huberman, I'd also put in there. Uh, pe- guys who are uh, really masters of longevity and really digging into, uh, you know, as Peter Atia says, the Centurion Olympics. <clears throat> so if you're a hundred years old, like what is your physical and mental capability at that point? And uh, so really interesting content there. I'd encourage everybody, uh, if you're interested in that, to follow those guys. Rob Howe, dude, I am so glad to have you back on the podcast. And you know what? Okay, so I just thought about this as we were talking. So because we both are, we both appreciate Tim Ferriss and his work. He's kind of served as a muse for both of us creating content and just kind of the stuff we geek out on. I think we need to treat this like one of his random episodes with Kevin Rose, right? 100%. I think that's what this is with you and I, because we both um, we both just love to geek out on self improvement from a neurological standpoint, from a physical standpoint, uh, and so there's no telling where all this conversation is going to go. But I think that the audience will appreciate it, uh, just because we're going to cover all kinds of topics and just you know we'll go as deep as you want to. But with all that said, brother, welcome back to the Jason Wright Show, man. Well, man, I. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, and you know, shout out to the Texas Titans listeners from 2020. This is my second go. time on, on the show. Uh, first time as Jason Wright guest. So uh, I love the rebrand. And you know, just in the couple of years that we've known each other, uh, like you said, we geek out over the same things. Like we're into the same kinds of self improvement. And you know, whether that's health, wealth, family, etc. You know, I think. Uh, this is going to be a wide ranging conversation. And just to be compared to Tim Ferriss and Kevin Rose is uh, like, I'm already on cloud nine. Dude. This is going to be an awesome conversation. <laughs> well, dude, I'm serious. You do some cool things and you have served as an inspiration to me. And let's start there. What's going on with, uh, with diabetics doing things and, uh, and what's going on with, you know, let's just kind of take it there with your podcast, your content that you create, because I think it's so cool. And just so the listener knows, uh, Rob Howe is a leader a thought leader, an influencer, and just one of the most outstanding ambassadors ambassadors and representatives for those who suffer from the uh, disease that is type 1 diabetes, including my daughter who was diagnosed in 2017. And so what is going on with your podcast and what have you been up to lately, man? And well, first of all, thank you. And, and, that, and that is really what I try to do is be a great ambassador that I would need when I was diagnosed at, at 17. And, uh, you know, so that people like Abby can have an example to like, oh, you know what, this is a, absolutely a disability. It absolutely is life changing. And in many cases, devastating, but there is hope and there is, you know, a, still a chance to live the life that you want to live. And so uh, she's a great ambassador for that as well. Uh, you know, and I look forward to, you know, the, the generations of people with diabetes that she will inspire as well. So with diabetics doing things, we're, this is our seventh year of the podcast, which is crazy to think about. Awesome. Um, and we, you know, as you know, content begets more content. Uh, and, you know, we're uh, long form audio turning into long form video, turning into short form video and sort of the demands of the content engine to, to continue to, um, you know, attract new listeners and, and reach new people. But something that really stood out to me as I looked at that seven year number is that in the United States every year, about 40,000 people are diagnosed with type one diabetes. And that's not even including type two diabetes and Modi and Lada and all the other sort of variants of diabetes. So that means that there's about 240,000 people who have been diagnosed since we started making content at diabetics doing things. And so I'm trying to help them too. You know, it's not just the long, the long standing folks like myself, uh, but in that time, you know, Abby was diagnosed and many people like her. So how do I make sure that I'm reaching them uh, and also, you know, giving them a message of hope and inspiration um, and so, you know, this year we're getting into our first uh, creator magazine, uh, and we're ha- creating content for people with diabetes by creators with diabetes, um, you know, really digging in and, and trying to use the platform that, that I've been so graciously you know, given and we worked really hard for uh, to pay it forward and help other people who are either upstarts, uh, really creative work, really great stories. Uh, and our first issue is coming out uh, this spring. And so very proud of that work. And, you know, again, just telling deeper stories. Uh, that are inspirational and real 
for people with diabetes. And, uh, you know, just again, if I thinking back uh, to when I was diagnosed 16, 17 years old, if I had been able to find things like that, I think it would have helped me avoid a lot of those landmines that we run into uh, as people with diabetes as we're adjusting our lives to, to living with disease. So, man, it's uh, it keeps me going. And, uh, you know, sometimes you know burns me out a little bit. But man, when I see the impact that the people who come on the podcast and the people who interact with diabetics doing that their stories have on other people. I, you know, I'll, that fills my cup to the max, man, just overflowing. So I'm just grateful to, to have another year, another chance to, to help people with diabetes. Well, and the thing is, man, like, I know, I know you probably went through this because you and Abby were close to the same age when you were diagnosed. And uh, one of the first things I did this as her dad, and I know she did it. One of the first things you do is you start looking to see who else is out there that is quote unquote healthy and living with type one diabetes. Just one of, it's one of those natural reactions. I mean, that's what we did. We can name the whole list. Just like I'm sure you can of all the celebrities, the athletes and everyone else. And then to have someone like you. And and that's why Abby, she listens to the podcast. I know she, I think she subscribed to the newsletter. I'm not sure. I know I told her to, uh, but she always doesn't do what dad says, but I know she follows what you're doing because she, she does report back to me on that. And it's so good to see someone like yourself, professional basketball player. You're doing cool things now. You're creating content. You're a speaker. Uh, you're just you, you look on social media. You're always active. You are leading a beyond normal life, uh, a, a, an exceptional life, pursuing excellence with the disease. And so, for someone like Abby to go, I can do that. I can have that opportunity, man. Well done. And then I'm going to segue this into how. It's so bizarre, and Abby and I just had this conversation. Uh, I think I mentioned she has a torn ACL, and we just had surgery on it up in Boulder where she's going to school. Um, and she, uh, so we got to spend a lot of quality time together. And one of the things that we've talked about a lot is while I would not wish type 1 diabetes on anyone, it does force you guys to do something that those who are non-type 1s are starting to do, which is monitor blood sugar. And it's almost like – you guys, it's old hat for you. What the rest of those of us like Peter Atia, Tim Ferriss, uh, David Sinclair, Ben Greenfield, all these just thought leaders in health and wellness are starting to monitor, which is their, their glucose levels on a continuous basis. I mean, it's so funny. Nearly all these guys, when you, you, you'll see them on podcasts or something on video, and they're all wearing continuous glucose monitors. And my wife for a while was like, when I told her I wanted one, she's like, you're nuts. No, that's over the top. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you. Uh, and, and, and this is where I want to kind of get into this is like, I believe, and this is my hypothesis from listening to people a lot smarter than me, but I think where we're going in health and wellness, man, is that there's two major things for monitoring that will help you continue for longevity and good health. One is your glucose levels, you know, getting those blood panels done to look at everything else. But mainly, I, th I think the key thing in there is watching your glucose levels and then two, your gut biome. If you can do those two things, then if you really manage those hardcore because of all that comes with managing those properly, you're going to live a pretty healthy life. So, and then as we start talking about the health and wellness stuff, I think it's amazing that you mentioned freaking liver king. This dude yes. is ridiculous. This is insane. Rob, you're like the fifth person who has either mentioned, I mean, in like in the last week or so, I mean, and from random, I've got a buddy that's in South Carolina that mentioned him. I've got a buddy on the West Coast. Like, you need to try to get the Liver King on your podcast. I'm like, I've tried. The dude has blown up probably more than anyone in the health and wellness space that I've ever seen. And he has no podcasts. He doesn't seem to go on podcasts. I mean, the dude is so protective of his time and his EFT and all that, that he probably won't do it. But so let's just start with what you're doing besides having to monitor your glucose levels to stay alive. What, uh, what else are you really geeking out on, man? Well, first of all, a great question. And uh, I want to make sure that I'm able to address those in, in the separate quadrants, so to speak. So go for it. Um, diabetes is and has been for many people, myself included, it, it gives you, it forces you for the first time, especially if you're diagnosed younger, to really look at your health in a different way. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned a couple of names, Dr. Peter Atia, Dr. David Sinclair, uh, Andrew Huberman, I'd also put in there, uh, guys who are uh, really masters of longevity and really digging into, uh, you know, 
as Peter Atia says, the Centurion Olympics. <clears throat> so if you're 100 years old, like what is your physical and mental capability at that point? And uh, so really interesting content there. I'd encourage everybody, uh, if you're interested in that, to follow those guys. Um, for me, you know, the future of, of biometrics, uh, we are in that era right now. And I think, you know, uh, I see, I think you wear an aura ring, I believe. I, I'm wearing a whoop right now. Uh, I also have a hybrid closed loop uh, continuous glucose monitor and insulin pump system that I used to keep me alive and keep my blood sugar stable and, 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 and in the, the proper ranges. For people who don't have diabetes, though, it's been uh, now uh, a, an emerging trend is to monitor and wear a CGM uh, on an ongoing basis to monitor your metabolic health. And there's a number of companies uh, who are really into that space. And I, I'm not affiliated officially with any of them, but I'm, I'm closely watching a lot of them. And I have some, some contacts in some of the bigger ones as well. And the difficult thing right now, you know, for people with diabetes to reconcile, I think, is that, you know, really, if we're being honest, a person without diabetes doesn't require a continuous glucose monitor to stay alive. And we have many access issues in the United States, and CGM access is one of those. Uh, uh, point blank, if you have diabetes, a CGM improves your quality of life and your ability to make decisions for your health by a measure of 10 plus. And, uh, you know, that I've, that's been uh, a huge part of my journey with diabetes in the past six, seven years is getting on CGM and, you know, not having to prick your finger when you want to know what your blood sugar is and being able to see trends and being able to get alerts when uh, before you have a hypoglycemic incident or your blood sugar is going up, you have more data and that allows you to make better decisions. And so that's, that's where I'll pivot and say the future of metabolic health uh, for all people is we have all these wearables, we have all these biometrics and all of this data, you mentioned blood tests as well, that feed into uh, a database, which an AI will sit on top of and give you information to make better decisions about your food, your exercise, your sleep, all with the goal of reducing you know, inflammation, reducing risk for chronic illness. Now, uh, I will say, uh, all those metabolic companies that I have not mentioned by name, but uh, you know, you'll get the ads for, I'm sure you get a ton of them. Yep. Um, they don't currently have a program for people with diabetes because uh, diabetes is hell on your metabolic health. And, and, you know, you have to think like a pancreas and act like a pancreas on your own, which um, for many people gives them again, back to my first point, the first time they had to look at their, their health as like a long-term game, especially when you're young, you know, I was, I'm speed, speeding every chance I get in my car. I'm eating whatever I want. I'm, you know, going a million miles an hour and, not thinking about the long-term uh, prospects of my health until I got diabetes. And now it's like, okay, well, you've got to take care of yourself if you want to live the life that you want to live. And I think for many people, um, I've had guests on my podcast that, that became bodybuilders or became athletes and became really interested in their health after receiving the diagnosis, because now they have a, a shifted perspective. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm excited about. I think in the, in the health tech space is, um, helping people with diabetes make better decisions to affect the longevity of their health. I'm very fortunate. I'm, uh, you know, I'm in terms of disabilities, I'm about as able-bodied as they come. And that is not the case for many people. Um, now I also invest a lot of time, energy and money into my body and, and um, my wife and I are aligned. We're taking, we take supplements and love the athletic greens as we talk about gut health. I mean, that's probably your best bang for your buck in terms of like an end all be all piece. Um, and my blood sugars are better as a result of me taking care of myself. So again, um, just shifting that perspective, zooming out a little bit and saying, okay, well, what are the most important things? And a lot of them are in line with what our friends uh, on the Tim Ferriss show always talk about. Laird, something that Laird Hamilton said um, in his first interview with Tim, uh, you know, what would you tell your 30-year-old self? He said, I would tell him to stop drinking alcohol yesterday. Yep. Uh, and you know, that's been an interesting thing for me too, as I'm kind of aging and I mean, like, you know what, uh, I see all the data in my whoop now from what alcohol does to my body. It's doing what it's supposed to do, which is disrupt my sleep, disrupt my recovery and make me feel bad. So if like, why am I doing that? You know, and so making decisions like that to really improve, uh, you know, uh, my life, so to speak, on a micro level is making big macro shifts in, in the way that I live. So uh, really exciting. OK, now let's talk about the liver king, because, uh, you know, what up, Primal's Liver King out is uh, some of the best content marketing on the internet. And I think, like you said, he's not going on podcasts. He's not, you know, doing PR. There's no, uh, he's not shilling on, you know, TV shows. He's living his life authentically and he's telling that story. And he's also kind of wild. I mean, he's wrapped yep. in, the, in the wildest packaging I've ever seen. You know, the guy, he never wears a shirt. He's always, uh, you know, getting the sunlight on his body, touching the earth with his feet, working out hard and rewarding himself with, you know, eating, eating from, uh, 
you know, from like tail, what does he call it? Like nose to tail That is how he eats, you know, uh, food. So uh, again, I, I, as a marketer, I'm just in awe of his consistency, his delivery and his ability to market his content and, you know, owning a supplements company as well. Like he's clearly mastered that vertical integration of authenticity. And I got to take my hat off to him. The man is, uh, he's an inspiration for sure. Did you see him pulling the uh, handsome cab in, uh, in New York city not too long ago? I did. Yeah. And he was like doing his, uh, pulling his sled across the Brooklyn bridge, doing his simulated hunt. I was like, this guy is so wild. I just love it. And then like when he always does his dinner, he's like a, just a consistency machine. He's like, I'm having the whole beast. And then he knocks it off the table with his hand. It's just the guy, he's a master marketer. I'm uh, you know, all other things, take everything else out of the equation. Liver King's the best marketer on the internet. He really, I, I really think he is. And, and like I said, it's just, it's this guerrilla marketing that he has just seemed to have perfected. And what a cool thing, man, that he's, he actually is living out with his sons too. I think that's one of the cool things. And, you know, one of his uh, recent posts, they took their sauna and filled it with ice and they were all in there as a family. And which it leads to another segue, dude, you gave me major ice bath envy this week. <laughs> You bastard, <laughs> man. I, uh, th- first of all, thank you. I got, I got to give credit where credit is due. So, uh, for you listeners, I, uh, this week installed, received and installed my renew therapy, ice oh. tub, which, uh, is, uh, you know, you, let's call it what it is. It's the Rolls Royce of ice tubs. Um, and for me personally, um, over the years, you know, tons of podcasts, listening to Wim Hof, uh, personal experience, my senior year of college, um, me and my, uh, my teammates, shout out Luke and Brent, my, my all-time homies. After every practice senior year, we were in the ice tub. We got new facilities after, uh, you know, that year for at the school. And I 100% believe I would not, my body would not have made it through that demanding season if I wasn't getting in the ice tub every day. And it also, I didn't know at the time, has so many great mental, uh, mental health, like whether it's dopamine or norepinephrine. And I think you've been a great uh, you know, just introducing your audience as well to your daily ice tubs. You're out there in 20 degree weather, jumping in that tub. You know, I, I'm like, man, Jason is, is going hard and I respect it. Uh, because for me, if I can every day do the hardest thing for myself right at the beginning, if I can force myself into that cold water, which is painful <laughs> and, you know, you take that deep breath, there's, you'll never breathe deeper than when you jump into that cold water. Yep. Uh, then whatever obstacles may jump in my way for the rest of the day, I have a framework to overcome them. And so that's, that's really the big thing for me is it's almost more of a mental health uh, investment for me than a physical one, but I also get a ton of physical benefits. I'm back playing basketball. I'm back down to my playing weight, I'm playing a couple times a week, having a great time. And I want to be able to be there for my kids. Like, like you, I want to be able to carry my daughter when she tears her, if she, if she tears her ACL up the stairs like you. So um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure investing in that longevity. And for me, um, it, it just took a little bit of a shift. And I had to tell myself, like, if this is something that you believed in for many years and talked about something that you want as part of your life, why are you hesitating to make that investment in yourself? And I really had to dig in and examine that. And once I overcame, I was like, you know what? I can do this. I want to do it. It's I say that I'm about this life. Now, let me just commit to it. And so I had to take big action. Um, and, uh, man, when I jumped into that, like walked out of my house uh, yesterday morning for the first time, jumped into my ice tub, uh, I was like, you know what, this is living with purpose, man. This is the, I, this is the kind of life I want to curate and manifest for myself. So, um, anyway, let's talk about you. Uh, how, how have you been doing this for like 45 days straight? Or I think was your biggest, uh, was your biggest streak. Yeah. yeah. How, how have you been feeling since jumping in the ice every day? It's amazing, man. For all the reasons that you just mentioned, it's exhilarating. It is, it is hard. It never gets easy. It never gets to where it's like, oh, wow, can't wait to go, you know, do this. But there's something about it. And, and here's one of the, the best parts for me is that the mental aspect of whenever I submerge, especially when it's really, really cold, I submerge and your natural instinct when you come up is to almost hyperventilate, right? You're like, yep. And when you have to cognitively go slow your breath. Just and then whenever you can just kind of sink into it, it has been amazing. I will say that I have not been sick. I did have uh, COVID early on, but I have not been sick again. Um, I feel amazing. My body fat now. I don't know so much. I have started a whole new uh, immune centric 
by Joel Green uh, gut protocol that has had a profound impact on body fat. But I can tell you that since I started doing the uh, ice baths uh, to now, I can tell you that I have lost about 4% of my body fat percentage, which for me, you know, weight is one thing, but the real measure is, is the inches and the, the body fat percentage. Right. And so, and it's become one of these things that kind of, to your point, if I don't nail that first thing in the morning, if I get through my day um, and I, and this is kind of a good and a bad thing, Rob, is if I haven't done it, then I'm kind of like crap. It's the day's not complete. I haven't right. really done every it's kind of making your bed if i haven't done that then the rest but man it it has been has been really really profound and here's the thing i'm glad that you mentioned all of those reasons why you decided to do it and why you're doing the things you're doing is because a lot of people they'll see that and they'll think that either especially whenever you're a content creator like we are right they'll think oh well this is your way of trying to get some attention or why would you do that that's stupid you're just or they'll just say hey you're just weird you know and <laughs> which i admit i i I check a lot of those boxes. <laughs> Same here, man. And I like there's a there's a new song I just discovered this week uh, working out called I'm uh, I'm not all right. And I can't remember who sings it. And the the lyrics, it's I'm not all right by Shinedown. I don't know if you've heard that. But okay. for for the listener, if you want to know why I do a lot of the crap I do, listen to I'm not all right by Shinedown and you'll kind of get an idea. Uh, you'll kind of jump into the mind of Jason Wright and why he's like that. But I get to the point where. I want to tell people, look, it's not attention seeking. It's the fact that I have been awakened to the fact that we only have one body, one mind. And, but and the cool thing is we don't have to just react to the universe. We can actually pull some levers to better perform in this life. And I'm almost pissed off, to be honest with you, Rob, that more people don't like, like, again, you and Abby were forced into paying attention to your bodies in a way that most people never will. Right. However, the same people that are alcoholics, drug addicts, depressed, all these other things, they should probably be monitoring some things as well. They've, they've got hypertension. They're, they're just they're, – they're, they're, they're borderline type 2 diabetics, and they're, but they're doing nothing. And so that is the reason why I do these things. You mentioned not drinking. Uh, you know, I, I think I've told you before, I abrogated drinking from my diet gosh, over three years ago. Not for scruples, not, not for for any reason other than I started looking at it. I was like, okay, the hangovers, just like Hank Jr. said, the hangovers hurt more than they used to. What is the benefit versus risk reward? And I just decided I I don't think if I'm 85, I'll wake up one day and go, man, I sure wish I would have kept drinking all that lagavulin. You know, it's good scotch, but don't need it. And so it's just when you start to calculate these things in the 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 better your life can be without them, it just makes a profound difference. So, man, all that to say. Now, I will say too, though, it's kind of cool. I don't know if you follow any of Mike Mutzel, uh, high intensity health, his stuff, his YouTube channel, and all, Mike is a solid, solid guy. I think he, he reminds me of Ben Greenfield with a much more serious and stoic personality. And Mike, Mike is his his humor is very subtle, but the other day he did kind of a riff on his uh, on his Instagram of kind of a liver king jumping out of an ice barrel like I have, throwing one of the on it hammers and then jumping into an ice bath like what you have. So he's got both. And so it okay. both of them got mentioned in that it was pretty funny. And, and again, it was so uh, it's so abnormal for Mike's normal personality that I was like, I, I sent him a deal. I was like, dude, that was awesome. You nailed that. So anyway, but uh, but yeah, so that's a very long answer for saying i love my ice bath it is definitely not going away and when i grow up i'm going to get a bath like yours this was jimelin my, my wife who both busts my balls more than anybody about my obsession with health and wellness also supports it by getting me all of my coolest toys all the way back from my peloton my concept two rower and now my ice barrel so knowing her one day i'm going to wake up on christmas morning and i will have my bath out there as well <laughs> Man, I, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, A, because my wife is also, you know, my biggest supporter. And, uh, you know, when I go on crazy tangents, like, hey, babe, I think I'm going to really invest in this expensive ice tub uh, and I'm going to put it in our house. Uh, she didn't roll her eyes. She was like, you know what? I trust you. Uh, I'm not going to, she's not yet jumped in it, but we're working on it, right? You know, I, I give it six weeks and she'll be in there with me seeing the benefits. So, um, yeah, man, I, uh, 
again, I think for me, it was just a, I probably spent a thousand hours over the years, like digging into DIY, digging into, I looked at the ice barrel, but I'm a little bit, I'm a big guy. You're a large, you're a big guy yourself, but I'm, you know, six, six down to two fifteen, And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to get any smaller in my life. I'm not going to get any more mobile. So I need to find something that I can get in easily and have enough space for. So made it, made it happen. And just decided like, if this is so important to me that I've researched and hemmed and hawed over this decision for years, now I have the space and the resources to do it. Time to take action. All right. So tell me some of the other things that you've discovered since the last time we talked. Gosh, man, since I was doing the Texas Titans podcast, that's probably, and you were one of my first guests. You were year one, season one, I'm pretty sure. So, man, it's probably been a year and a half at least since we spoke. So, uh, yeah. Besides the ice bath, cutting back the drinking or did you quit drinking altogether are you are you, are you like just- i i've just i've just cut it back it's probably like 90 90 10 i suppose i still you know i i got buddies getting married i'll go to a bachelor party have some drinks uh c- come home and go six weeks without drinking you know just um really really depends and, and like you said for all the reasons that you said um so another thing i've been into more recently i guess in the last six months is um you know in my professional life when i'm not uh podcasting or uh, advocating for people with diabetes uh, I also run Recreation Dallas with my business partner, Sterling, and we talked a, lo- a lot about that on your podcast, and that was actually one of the first times that I, as a content marketer, or, you know, a content creator, was talking about the agency and, like, what I do day to day, and so uh, you, you know, really opened my eyes, like, bringing everybody into my full story. Um, so, as a strategist, and, like, uh, you know, I'm acting kind of right now as the interim uh, director of content at the agency, and which I love to do is, 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 a, is super fun. Uh, but cryptocurrency and web 3.0 and NFTs has been a huge trend, obviously, uh, starting really in 2021. Tons of media mentions, tons of conversations, uh, both financial and then more recently, the non-financial applications of community and membership. And those, I think, um, I've really latched onto and I've discovered how, can I, how I can lead my clients through those questions, because many of them are getting asked by their boss or asked by their other stakeholders, like, well, what is our company going to do in web 3.0 in this new frontier? Help me understand it. And as a marketer, the applications are not exactly one-to-one. It's not like a, like a TikTok where it's really, hey, this is a new social network. And you know the same principles basically apply. Uh, this is something totally different. How do I do that? So I created a series for my clients called uh, What to Do If Your Boss Asks About X. And the first, the first example we did is what to, what to say when your boss asks about NFTs. And I think I took them through getting signed up for a wallet, understanding the, the main players in the, in the coins, so Bitcoin and Ethereum and some of the others, um, what wallet to use, how to, how to buy an NFT, what that process looks like, why you would do that, where to learn more about them, uh, talking about Discord, a new social network that's really gained a lot of popularity in these spaces. Um, and so I was doing a lot of research. And over the years, uh, as a strategist, one of my, I think, uh, best skills is accumulating a group of thought leaders. So curating my feeds to say, okay, I believe these six or seven people are the leaders in this space, whether they have uh, views that are the same or not, they are the thought leaders. And then I find in the overlap, like who are the people who are influencing them? And I kind of curate my feeds to, to learn as much as possible about that. So as I'm doing this with, Web 3.0. I discovered some guys. Chris Dixon is a great one uh, on Twitter. I, I, through Chris Dixon, I discovered this guy named Mike Dudas, who uh, has a um, has had a newsletter as a VC influencer and a and a and a startup influencer over the years and, and content creator, thought leader. And they start talking about this community called LinksDAO. Uh, and Mike makes a post along with this guy Jim Daly, who I didn't know at the time, but he kept retweeting him. I was like, okay, this guy is probably a guy to follow. So they start talking about this thing called LinksDAO, which is a golf DAO. Now, a DAO in the Web3 world is called a decentralized autonomous organization. Okay. So think, think of it like a company, but instead of a board of directors or an executive team, it is a document, a smart contract, essentially. Uh, Bitcoin is the best example of one. The, the Bitcoin letter uh, is a great place to start. This, uh, because it's the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization, doesn't have a person, it's a set of principles. And so LinksDAO, I discovered, is a golf DAO, which uh, has, the, the hashtag is W-A-G-T-B-A-G-C, which means we are going to buy a golf club. And so they put it out there and, and I saw, okay, 
well, this is an application that I understand. I understand a country club membership. Uh, you know, in, in Dallas, there's one uh, near my house. You pay a hundred thousand dollar initiation fee and then like a thousand dollars a month and you're a member. Right. Well, for me, uh, that's sort of inaccessible at the moment, uh, even though I would love to have that someday. Yeah. Um, so what this was is, hey, we're going to mint these NFTs. And if you buy one and own one, then you will be eligible to get a membership at the golf club that we buy using the money that we raise from the NFT mint. So, hey guys, we're gonna buy a top 100 golf course in the United States and uh, we're gonna do that in the next year. And the only way that you can buy a membership is if you own one of these NFTs. So in one day, they sold out all 5,000 of their NFTs. They raised $14 million and now are into uh, the next phase, which is finding a golf club, finding some corporate uh, sponsors, finding some, uh, you know, again, bringing in more fundraising to accomplish that goal. And then in the discord about four weeks ago, so all this happens like January 1st. Okay. So I'm, I'm in on this and I, and I, and I buy my leisure membership. I've, I've also recently bought a global membership. So I own both of the NFTs and then a few days, a few weeks go by and who joins LinksDAO but Seth Curry and Steph Curry. Uh, the Curry brothers, uh, basketball savants, and also avid golfers. So I'm like, okay, maybe I've found my way into this community that at least on a, you know, on some level is attractive to guys who have teams that vet these, you know, investment opportunities seriously, and they're in it. So, okay, maybe I'm doing something right here. So again, about six weeks ago uh, in the discord, somebody says, Hey, who's going to South by Southwest? Um, and then a bunch of people responded and I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of in and out on the discord in terms of like, I, I don't spend all day refreshing it, but I check it, you know, a couple times a week. And they said, well, what if we did a member event at South by Southwest? Who'd be interested in going to that? And so for me, Austin's a three hour drive from Dallas, easy trip down I-35. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm all in. I get to go to, you mean, if I can go to this member event where I have to have an NFT to buy a ticket, it's only open for members. It's a metaverse in real life. And basically what it ended up being was a golf trip with your buddies, like, you know, a guy, a guy's trip going to play 36 holes of golf, but with your buddies that you hadn't met yet. Right. And so Very going cool. into this, I didn't know a single person. And I was trying to think of like the last time I showed up at an event where I didn't know a single person and I wasn't like on the panel or, you know, featured to speak. I hadn't done that in years. And so, you know, it was this really surreal experience going to play golf with strangers who are all bought into the same thing. And what an incredible time. So like basically went on a country club membership uh, guys trip uh, to, to Austin playing golf uh, at the Omni Barton Creek it was amazing. We did a tournament there. Uh, we just meeting all these guys for the first time, all of whom are invested in some capacity into web three and cryptocurrency. Uh, and, you know, learn, I learned so much just from conversations I was having with different guys and uh, man. So like for me, Web3 and cryptocurrency and NFTs can be a really confusing space. And I think right now it's very similar to the early 2000s uh, and the tech, the tech bubble. And for every Microsoft and Oracle, there was, you know, Sun Micro, which is, you know, uh, and so, you know, how do you pick a project that you think is built for the long haul? And I know there's a lot of people, uh, you know, we call them rug pulls where like celebrities or influencers will, you know, build up these NFT communities and then just ghost them and go dark and the coins will drop. Uh, you know, really, you know, bad stuff going on out there. You know, I think when with any sort of innovation, there's a lot of scams. Uh, but what I found is that, you know, if you can find a community that really resonates with you and what you like, and for me, I just, I like playing golf. I'm a, uh, you know, it was something my dad and I uh, did when I was growing up. Uh, and, you know, as I'm an adult, like a lot of my friends in business and a lot of just my friends in general, that's how we spend our time uh, when we have, you know, our leisure time. And, I was like, yeah, I would love a country club membership with Seth and Steph Curry. Uh, my, like, why, you know, what opportunity would I have to do that on an existing country club? Like you said, like most of them are so cost prohibitive. And so now I'm in that. And, uh, you know, I don't know exactly where it's going uh, past, you know, long, long term. I, you know, it's still, it's still an investment, it's still speculative. But this year, in the next 12 months, the leadership team of LinksDAO is planning to buy a top 100 golf course in the United States in less than a year when, you know, prior to January 1st, really prior to December 15th, LinksDAO did not exist. There, so the speed of these organizations, the decentralized model where community is coming together and, uh, you know, guys plan this event this weekend for free. Like they, uh, and, and they, and, and then got rewarded with an NFT. One of the guys wasn't even a member of the community helped plan the whole thing. And he, and they brought him in as, as a member after that. And so, uh, it's just really cool to see how the creative power of community 
And I, and that's where I believe, you know, people like you, people like me who have strong, but mighty small communities, uh, that is the future of, of the internet is like-minded people working together for a common goal and vision, whether that's fun, like just playing golf or something really ambitious, like, you know, biohacking the human body. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, I think that the future of those types of communities is, uh, is it's happening, uh, you know, and, and the way that I explain it to people who are like my parents' age, uh, think of 10 years ago, if I had told my grandparents and my parents, like, hey, one day everyone's going to have a Facebook account, they would have rolled their eyes and kind of laughed, like, haha, not me, whatever. 10 years, 10 years later, you know, in, in present day, almost everyone does. And that's, you know, taken as, uh, you know, it's just table stakes at this point. Right. I think it's the same way for a crypto wallet. Uh, think of it as a universal login. You'll just use your crypto wallet to log into whatever sites that you're using. It'll be verifiable through the blockchain and secure uh, on your device. And I think that that is going to be um, the biggest application for everyone uh, in cryptocurrency is using those wallets uh, to log into all of the technology that we use in and out of the internet. Wow, dude. Well, thank you. Cause you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, I did reach out to, because I want to understand better crypto and cryptocurrency and I have avoided it. I have, I have I've not invested in any Bitcoin or anything, any of the cryptos and NFTs when NFTs came along, for some reason, and Discord is the uh, is Gary V's uh, platform that he uh, he kind of I know he was an early adopter or early promoter of and and to be honest with you I didn't know what Discord was I think I joined early on and then did nothing with it and then uh, the the best way I can explain it is it's like open source Slack so okay a, a okay Slack channel you know around like Linkstyle we have one and it has different channels to server uh, I'm in a couple of diabetes ones as well right. um, a social network disguised as Slack that's open source is the best it. way I could explain it. Okay. So NFTs, I can't, I, I got my brain around those first and then just by what's going on in the world forced myself to at least understand cryptocurrency. So here's my question for you. Um, so going back to the golf club. So did all of you invest the same amount or was there, there just a nut that these guys were trying to raise and a minimum buy-in? How did that work? So that's a great question. And I think it's one of those things that really, you know, experiencing buying an NFT with cryptocurrency, like is the best way to do it. So I'll try to explain that here. So okay. when they minted the NFT, so when you launch an NFT project, that's called minting. Um, and you have a certain number. So in LinkStyle's case, there are 5,000 total memberships. Oh, and, real quick, divided, well, and real quick, yeah. what I might do, if this is okay, just because I want to I make sure I'm tracking. If you, of course. if you mint an NFT, is there any, is this a legal document? Is it, or is there any regulation? Is it something you can go to LegalZoom and it's just a standard contract? I mean, how enforceable are the rules? Kind of what are the, what are, what's the formation around that minting? So that's a great question. And I admittedly am probably not the best person because I have not minted my own NFT. So I don't know exactly the, the ins and outs of that, but okay. the smart contract uh, it is a smart contract. So every okay. NFT is tied to a smart contract, which generally has um, similar language throughout many projects, like that you own it, if it's verifiable on the blockchain, uh, it's set up on uh, a usually either Ethereum, uh, the Ethereum network, uh, or Solana is another popular one that's a little bit less expensive, uh, because using Ethereum right now uh, is a little bit more expensive as they're updating the network and more people are getting onboarded, uh, which those fees are called gas fees. So gas prices are high in the real world. They're also high on Ethereum right now. Um, so when you mint an NFT, you have a smart contract. And that says, hey, when you buy you know, this NFT, it has this capability. Like this is what it means. And it gets you access to the following. Um, so for LinkStyle- is, is that just set up by the fact, like if you and I decided we wanted to launch an NFT for aspiring podcasters and somehow put us under a network or an umbrella, would you and I just sit down and kind of whiteboard, okay, here's what, here's our goal. Here's our NFT. Here's what we're going to call it. And here are going to be kind of that, like the charter, I guess, of, of the NFT. So what you're describing, the charter is what's called the DAO, the Decentralized Autonomous Organization. So okay. that rule, those rules allow the DAO to exist autonomously. And so like, even if you and I get out of the project, yep. uh, that DAO can live on as long as the community is still behind it. So I think 
um, a lot of it has to do with really understanding your community. Uh, when you look at NFT projects that sell out quickly, uh, they are for someone. And they understand. So, you know, I think uh, when we think of things like a thousand true fans, uh, one of the you know the yep. great marketing essays. Uh, shout out Tim Ferriss and Kevin Kelly. Um, <laughs> making a project for a community, and and that they understand is very tangible. And I think that's one of the real uh, benefits of LinksDAO is how straightforward and simple it is. Um, it really resonated with a lot of people. And so, uh, you know, they minted five thousand NFTs. Uh, and two categories. The first was a global membership. Uh, that one allows you to buy two memberships. Holding that allows you to buy two memberships uh, to the eventual golf club. So by holding that NFT, you are you are eligible to buy the two. Uh, and I believe there's another um, off the top of my head. It's like maybe also a family leisure membership. So like if you have a family and wanted to have a family country club membership versus an individual, uh, you have access to do that through the global membership. The second is the leisure membership, and that allows you to buy one uh, single uh, membership to the club once the club is announced. So uh, first, I bought a leisure one because it was a lower price point. And so this comes back to your question of like, how do you raise that much money? Um, an NFT project generally has a floor price. So when you go on to OpenSea, OpenSea is like the main NFT marketplace. It's like 99% of NFT transactions happen on OpenSea, and it's basically eBay for crypto. Okay. Uh, so it's an auction site and it's driven largely by supply and demand. So as a project gains more uh, value and people and more perceived value, people are paying more for it. The price and the floor price raise accordingly. So the, um, you know, and up oh, here goes my CGM. I'm getting excited. So my blood sugar is rising. That's, uh, that's always a good, know, a good thing. Let me know if you need to take a break, dude, because I'm, I'm, no, I'm good. <laughs> I understand. Uh, so, um, so, you know, the floor price for the leisure one at the time was like uh, point zero four ETH, which was a, you know, a reasonable amount of money for me to pay at the time or 0.4 ETH rather. Uh, and it was like 800 bucks, I think at the time. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to invest in this because uh, it's accessible. You know, when you read about NFT projects that are popular, like the Board Ape Yacht Club, when they're, where there are million dollar assets that I'm, you know, again, I cannot access that. Right. Um, and, you know, but then I, as, as I'm at this uh, event this weekend, there are guys there that hold doodles, that hold board apes, that hold mutant apes. And they got in early uh, when the floor price was not much farther off than LinksDAO is. And so now I'm thinking, okay, well, we haven't even bought the golf course yet. So most people are probably not interested in this yet. But when we do, that then becomes a new level of membership. And I think that floor price is going to go up. So I'm long on the value of that. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, the, they in the smart contract for LinksDAO, uh, you pay the price and that goes into the bank uh, of, of the, you know, from the mint. Um, and then uh, it also provides you, and this is what's really interesting about NFTs is the idea of ownership. So you, Jason, buy LinksDAO and, and then you decide, wow, this took a huge bump up. I'm going to sell it. Um, so LinksDAO and their smart contract, and many NFTs have this for artists, especially um, you could, when you sell that at a big gain for yourself, there's also a percentage that goes back into the original creator. So the secondary sales uh, market has, has turned up almost 2 million bucks for LinksDAO, which they then donated to Steph Curry's uh, No Kid Hungry charity. Yeah. So again, like social, understanding the community, understanding what the members want to contribute, um, and then having levers in there that allow you to do that. Now, what's cool about this is that, you know, you could be in, you know, say that you're all about LinksDAO and I'm all about LinksDAO and we're holding this, but then, you know, the years go by and, I, you know, they open a club in Maine and I don't go to Maine very often. So I'm not going to be super involved anymore, but I'm going to keep my membership because that value is going to continue to go up. So even if I'm not involved, I still own because I own that NFT an investment in that company. So it's very much like a, like a stock, like a share of Apple, Amazon, et cetera. Uh, but as we know from the tech bubble, for every Amazon, for every Microsoft, for every Oracle, there was a Sun Micro, there was, uh, you know, a, a Compaq, many other, you know, companies of yesteryear that are no longer there. Uh, so hopefully, you know, you pick the right project and you get to be in for the long haul. Okay. And so whenever you started out, I guess, are there a certain amount of, I know that there was the leisure and the family, are there, but is it like a stock in that there is a finite number of shares available from the beginning? So earlier you get in, then it rises, and then that's it. And did these guys that created the DAO, uh, did they actually, did they maintain a certain percent 
uh, that's greater? Like, do they have the 51 versus 49% that they sell off? How does that work? So every DAO is a little bit different. Uh, I think one of the interesting things about crypto DAOs uh, compared to a traditional company is that is the idea of like uh, majority ownership. Okay. So in, in the smart contract of Lynx DAO, I, I think 20% of the total uh, were made available for the founding group to purchase first. Okay. Um, and so when you think about like the people who hold the most or who sold their secondary shares, kind of like restricted shares, right? Um, you know, in, in, a, in a company that's publicly traded, when you're, you, uh, you get restricted shares as you uh, employee anniversary or, you know, big milestones or, or what have you. Um, but it's not a majority ownership. So it's really is community governed and governed by the decentralized autonomous organization. So um, if you wanted to, you could buy as many of the, the memberships that were made available to you. That doesn't necessarily give you like majority shareholder ownership power. Wow. Okay. So basically it's like I can own, well, it's like anything else. I, I can own Walmart stock, but I can't walk in there and say, Hey, I need this now. Go tell the, the manager that I'm here. I, shareholder Jason's here and he needs some special attention. It's just, I correct. But the difference would be, I suppose, is that um, for a golf club, I gain entrance, but I'm, tr I'm like a customer, but, but because of my ownership in the NFT, I gain interest. You would gain interest. I would not because I haven't purchased NFT. Now, as far as the operation, is there a governing board to these guys that actually found it? Do they have to manage the operations of the club and how it's going to actually finance? And will you ever like, I'm just using golf clubs for an example, are you ever going to get billed as basically a minor minority shareholder for, Hey, we just had to put in, put heaters under the greens because we want to be like Augusta. And so therefore, do you have any obligation on that or is it all handled at the operating end of it so that's really interesting because uh it becomes down to a vote so there is a voting structure within LinksDAO, um and, and so you could put it out to like a shareholder vote and they have a certain number of like majority and you can but or you can abstain or only global members can vote or only leisure leisure uh, global members get two votes leisure members get one etc so all of that that comes back to the autonomous piece of the decentralized autonomous organization is um if if one of the founders, one of, you know that the heaviest hitter wants to put heaters under the green, but nobody else does, then he gets overruled. And so there, you know, there isn't like a single source of power. Okay, okay. And then, and now the, the a lot of people hear NFTs, and obviously because what was the uh, what were the little the funny little uh, the the gifs that were being created? They're called punk punk. What are they called? Gorilla punk or something like that? What? Crypt, crypto punks, mm -hmm. crypto punks. and okay. board apes. Yep. Okay, so people would hear that and like, wait a minute, why in the world would I pay that kind of money for a digital image? And correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> so is this, an, a, and I have to always use some sort of an analogy. Is this basically like saying, okay, we are going to NFT the Mona Lisa. No longer can everyone go into the Louvre and see the Mona Lisa. Now you can go see a copy of it, just like a GIF. Yeah, there'll be copies of it everywhere. You can go to you know, Garden Ridge Pottery and probably find some copy that everybody can go see the Mona Lisa. But if you want to see the, inter the, the original now, you have to have an NFT to gain entrance into. And also, if they take the Mona Lisa on tour to the Met New York or the Perot in Dallas, only NFT holders of the Mona Lisa NFT can actually gain entrance into the exhibit. Is it, 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 so it basically, it creates, it, uh, it creates incentives because you hold the NFT that that represents that thing that others don't is am I kind of getting that right? You are, and and I think it it's not a one size fits all scenario. That's a good example though. So an artist, for example, like Leonardo da Vinci painted the the Mona Lisa, right? So um, if he had minted that as an NFT, um, and he, if he had had the foresight for that uh, <laughs> to do that when he when he painted the Mona Lisa, um, he could have created a smart contract and said, hey, you know, instead of selling this to a collector or the commissioner, I'm going to open this up to everyone. We can all buy shares in it or NFTs as shares of the Mona Lisa, and we can all benefit as it accrues value. And so as an artist in the old days, uh, Leonardo da Vinci sells that painting uh, to the commissioner or they pay for the commission. And then Leo will never get another dime from yeah. that painting, even if it gets resold at a much higher value. But with the, with the blockchain and with smart contracts and with NFTs, he can continue to gain percentages of the secondary sales to add to his bank 
as as his art gains more popularity. And I think this is really uh, resonant today with music, with Absolutely. artists, animators. It's going to be a real game changer for creators. I was going to say, and I know you've got to bolt here pretty quick, dude. We're going to have to do a part two, okay? I think we will. I'm, I'm all for it. Because like what you just opened my mind to was Metallica was one of the holdouts for iTunes. A lot of artists bitch still to this day about iTunes. They they only make money now in live performances because once it goes to iTunes, they get they may get a check because of these tiny, tiny little deals. Mm -hmm. This gives, and basically this gives an independent artist the ability to – sell their, their sell their art and then make the residual income ongoing in a way and, that, and, I like that. And you know this you know this as well as anyone. You host your own podcast. Uh, you have you upload your audio to your uh, you know to your database and they can listen to it through it's distributed through Apple Music and Spotify. Uh, what if if you wanted to be a subscriber to the Jason Wright show, you had to have an NFT, it paid you and then that's in exchange they get extra guests you can use that capital to increase uh your, your production to get new guests on there uh to to avoid sponsorships you know what do people hate people hate ads sometimes so hey and now it's community funded it's like it's like the future of patreon it's the future of uh of but they also own a piece of it so if you go to the moon if you end up on you know uh in the past we'd say if you're on oprah and larry king your jason wright stock is soaring and somebody can own parts of that and benefit from it, and you can as well. So I think it's a really uh, exciting time in terms of creators and ownership and these systems that have been, you know, systemically, uh, you know, opposed to the creator. Now the creator is starting to get more power because, as we know, if you have fans that really love you, you can do, you can have a business anywhere. Uh, whether you're a musician, whether you're an artist, a content creator. Uh, a, a writer, a thinker, you know, you think about Substack, you know, what opportunities that's created for writers just to create, just to find people who uh, want to give them $10 a month for them to do what they love and do what they're great at. This is just the beginning of where, you know, creators can, can make a real living digitally uh, using smart contracts, Web 3.0 and NFTs. Dude, that is awesome, man. This helps me so much. I'm so glad we we jumped off into those weeds and and, and went around because that was that was so educational for me. And uh, Rob, I know you got to get brother. Thank you for coming back. I've got to get you back on for part two. We got a lot more to talk about. We yes, we, we do. We we've got to not let so much time pass between catch ups because this could take you know who knows three episodes. But I, I'm down if you are, brother. I, I'm down, man. And uh, again, man, thank you for all that you do uh, for continue to improve it always and always. Uh, you're a motivation for me. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, when I saw you carrying Abby up the stairs after her surgery, I was like, you know what, I want to be in a position to do that. That may be the most important, you know, these decisions that I make in my life that lead me to that point. Uh, you know, I couldn't think of a better payoff for taking care of yourself and your health to be able to lift your family up literally and figuratively at that point. So, man, thank you. And I'm looking forward to part three. Thank you, brother. I'm honored. All right. I'm going to let you go now and uh, sit tight and I'll say goodbye after we stop the recording. Well, that does it for this episode of the Jason Wright Show. This has been a Texas Titans media production. Hey, if you haven't done so yet, please go out to jasonrightnow.com and sign up for the Vitruvian Letter. Let me know what you think. Also, please go out and check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe, leave comments, and then always, as a big favor to me, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes and review the show that helps us climb in the rankings and until we meet again continue to endeavor to improve always in all ways I'm out